Women Today. Faster my good afternoon. It is Friday and this is Women Today with me, Beth Espy. And this afternoon is another Conister Rock special where our guest shares with us five pieces of music which really mean something to them. We play an excerpt from each track and enjoy the chance to find out more about key figures from the island who are very well known for various reasons. And our guest this afternoon is Fiona Haller and we'll meet her in just a moment. Also today, to mark 20 years since the death of Princess Diana, a charity in her name has made today National Kindness Day. And they're collecting stories of kind acts, so no matter how big or small, if you've seen or done something kind, get in touch with us and we'll add your story to the kindness count. And um, possibly the opposite of kindness, I suppose. It is April the 1st tomorrow, so I want to know what the best April Fool's prank is, please. Uh, get in touch this afternoon, it's really easy, 166-177 if you want to text us. You can email studio at manxradio.com or also go to Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag MRWomenToday. So Fiona Hiller is the Head of Youth Arts at the Arts Centre on Kensington Road here in Douglas, which currently has over 700 members. She's also the Director of the Sale Gallery, a position she took on after the death of her brother Simon early last year. Fiona is as Celtic as they come, with an Irish father, Manx mother, and having been born in Wales. Is there any Scottish ancestry in there, Fiona, just to complete the picture? No, no, not that I'm aware of. Uh, it would be quite nice, actually. I haven't been to Scotland. It's a lovely place. But no, uh, Dad is a cork man. Mum was a peel girl. We used to tease her a lot about that. Uh, and uh, we were all born in uh, South Wales. Moved back over here in 1970, fluke foot, 74, I think it was. So how important are your roots to you? Um, in truth, very. Um, every holiday that we had as children, we were uh, we were bundled into the car with the dog and we went either went to Ireland, to my, to my dad's farm down in Cork, or over to the Isle of Man, which uh, we used to spend eating fish and chips on the beach. And then in the mornings, we'd have to go and visit all mum's friends. That, that, that was done. We'd have to get dressed up and be combed and sit and behave yourself. And uh, in the afternoon, we could, we, could, we could run wild on the beaches and uh, up in the mountains. It was, it was, we know we had a great childhood, must admit, a bit, bit unusual, but, you know, because there were so many of us, but there was, it was great. How many of you were there? there uh, in truth, there was five, five of us, but we had two foster brothers and sisters and um, long-term adoptees as well. So at one point there was about nine of us sort of like trundling around the place. Plus we had my, my elderly grandmother living with us as well. So we, we, were, uh, we were like the clampets everywhere you went. I remember coming down the motorway one time from, or oh, wouldn't be the motorway, because we the A41, from Liverpool back down to South Wales with a dog bed on the roof that fell off and we all watched it sort of go rolling down the road behind us. <laughs> but, yeah. but you all got on fairly well. I mean, typical family squabbles, <laughs> I imagine. Oh, no, we were absolute angels. We used to sit up and take notice of every word that was said to us. We never <laughs> argued or anything like that, ever. <laughs> no, it was pretty much mohemic, but we enjoyed it. Yeah. Do you think that's what gave you the grounding for dealing with uh, young people in the way you do nowadays? Um, well, I just got used to having a lot of people around me. So being in large crowds has never ever phased me. I'm sure my brothers and sisters feel exactly the same way. You know, standing in a room full of people is not, is not a problem. Standing in an empty room, however, and I think we all get a bit sort of like, well, where is everybody? We don't like that one little bit. I love the fact that one of your favourite memories from growing up is the fact that your dad built his own home from scratch. My dad was a remarkable person. He was Frank Buttymore, and um, he loved the Isle of Man. He was an Irishman who only ever got his Irish accent back, really, when we went back to Ireland. Then he'd go from sort of like talking in, in his, what we call his normal voice, into this sort of like Cork accent we'd never heard before. 
and we'd also like stare at him in amazement. But yeah, he built his own house from scratch. We lived in um, Dinis Powys. We were all born in Dinis Powys in South Wales, just outside Cardiff. And we moved to a town a few miles away called Penarth. And Dad found a plot of land next to a playing field, which he decided was big enough even for us. He's our, our our mob to be able to sort of sort of like roam free without causing too much too many riots, and it was a lovely house. It was four bedroomed, and I've just got all these memories of um, the house being built, etc. There never being any uh, any doors on the thing. Mum always knew the house was going to be sold when Dad finally put the door on the airing cupboard. That was her thing. Did you really have a desire to live in a council house because they were finished? Well, that was because shortly after after we when my grandmother came to live with us, even that house wasn't big enough, so we had to buy an eight bedroom house, an, an old banker's house in in the, in in Upper in Upper Penarth, and um, it was we got it for I think it was seven thousand pounds or something like that. It was so long ago, but uh, it was completely rotten, and we had no. So the first thing Dad did was take out the staircase and all the floorboards. So for about two or three years, we just literally teetered on everything. It never occurred to us to think it was an, a, not a normal thing to do. I, what, but I genuinely was about nine before I realised not everybody had a cement mixer in their kitchen. And I do remember coming back from a friend's house who lived in a council, a council house which was beautifully decorated and done up and saying to my mum that when I grow up I want to live in one of those because they're finished. Because I spent ev- every morning you'd just have to shake the plaster off your coat before <laughs> you go to school. You know. <laughs> what was uh, little Viona like at school then? I was I was a swat really. I always I was quite uh, somebody. My, my eldest brother Charlie said to me one time that I was a bit bit weird really because I I managed to combine being a total chatterbox while having my nose in a book at the same time. You know, uh, and I'm still like that. I can read a book with one eye, etc., and still be talking to somebody with another one. I'm the ultimate multitasker. And and speaking of books, English was a particular favourite subject oh, yes, of yours, and you yeah. had a a very inspirational English teacher. She was the deputy head teacher of the school. Her nickname was Straubs, unimaginatively, because her name was Audrey. And we were, it was the sort of school where, you know, that sort of thing happened, really. And um, she just ha- had this belief, which I followed through, that children shouldn't be allowed to touch Shakespeare until they've seen a professional performance. Because that way, that is the way people talk. That is the rhythm of the language. That's how it's done. Because in the subsequent teachers and subsequent schools I went to, etc., we had to read... In, uh, Shakespeare plays uh, with indifferent readers. Sometimes people just couldn't read it at all, bored, you know, and it, and it never sounded the same. But for me, because I had that first experience of going to see Macbeth done properly, I got it straight away and I've never had a problem with Shakespeare ever. Fiona Heller, tell us then about the first piece of music that you have chosen. Oh, right. Well, um, I grew up in a house with lots of music. I mean, my dad was a huge music fan. We always had music on the, on, on the, the record player somewhere. We used to have a radiogram. You're far too young to remember them. But it used to be a massive piece of furniture about the size of a dining room table. You'd lift the lid up and then there would be a record player in the centre of it and a radio and you're never allowed to go anywhere near it. In fact, when we had records, uh, we'd have to, our dad would have to put them on for us because we'd either scratch them or bend, bend the needle. And I used to have, uh, for my birthday, I used to get uh, five shilling postal orders and things like that. And one year I actually got two pounds worth. So I was able to go down to our, our, our local record shop in Penarth and the first album I ever bought was Bridge Over Troubled Water and I, at the time it was such a magnificent piece of music and the whole album was great I love the concept album now even now I like to play it but just that first track that that first opening few notes etc the opening few bars I think are wonderful and I actually learned to play it on the piano as well <laughs> and friends just can't be Like a friend 
Bridge over troubled waters, Simon and Garfunkel. Fond memories for our Conister Rocks guest, Fiona Haller, of the first album she ever bought. And you were just saying, Fiona, very different to the other music that was being played in your very busy household at the time. Well, with with uh, between five and seven of us all, all vying for the record player at the same time, etc. We'd had everything from Procol Harum to Moody Blues to other progressive rock music to ska, everything that was going on. But this particular album caught everybody's imagination. And it was one thing that which you could put on and everybody would just slow down and go and have a cup of tea or a glass of milk or something just to uh, you know change the mood a bit so, so yeah nice memories that one you were 16 then when oh, yes, um, yeah. the decision was made to move to the Isle of Man how did you take that oh I was furious I was absolutely hopping mad how dare they I mean to me, I, I was 16 I was just in the first year of sixth form I got my got all my GCSEs um, and we were given no choice in the matter really or actually to be absolutely fair my parents did listen to me and they said you know okay if you really want to stay uh, you can stay but then my dad took me out for a drive in the, in the car and by the time I came back from this drive with my dad I was going to the Isle of Man and actually looking forward to it he, he could be very persuasive but initially I was absolutely livid with the very thought of it and I kicked off all over the place. I'm intrigued how did he persuade you? He was just reasonable. I mean, he start, He didn't treat me like a sort of like a child. He sort of said, well, I'm going over there. We're going to start a new business. We're going to have a big house over there. I'm going to have to do that at the same time. And I'm going to have to pay for you to stay back in Wales. I'm going to have to find somebody to live with. And I'll be worried out of my mind the whole time you'll be there. So that's how he did it. So you came over here. Your new schoolmates, I understand, were terribly upset you didn't have a Welsh accent. Well, they, we, we took our time coming over because they got our... Uh, they knew we were coming over, I think, from September. We were booked into the school, into the, into the various schools, etc. Uh, and when I got there, I didn't have a beautiful Welsh accent. I mean, uh, I never really got one, you see, but... Um, because the part of Wales we lived in just didn't have it. I mean, Anglin's got still got a lilt one. He's got the Panath accent. You can still th- still hear it in him. But nobody else did, and everybody else went straight over to Manx. Apart from my sister Sarah, who for a short while went Scouse, which is a bit weird. But yeah. do you speak Welsh at all? I can understand more than I can speak. But we had it was uh, we, Welsh language was compulsory. We had to have a, a Welsh. We, we always used to have the um, start every day with the the Lord's Prayer in Welsh and the Welsh assemblies and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I never kept it up, which I, which I regret in some way now. Lance Ray. 
Women Today. It's 21 minutes past two and this is Women Today on Manx Radio. Today, a Conister Rock special where we talk to well-known people from the Isle of Man finding out about their lives and their favourite pieces of music. And our guest this afternoon is Head of Youth Arts at the Youth Arts Centre in Kensington Road, Fiona Halleur. And just before the break, Fiona was telling us a little bit about growing up literally on a building site in Wales and what it was like <laughs> uh, making to the move to the Isle of Man. How long was it before you felt settled over here, Fiona? Pretty straight away, because like, as I said, we came here every holiday. I mean, uh, it was because it was the Isle of Man, our parents gave us a lot more freedom than we were allowed back in Wales as well, because we lived in a quite a large town in uh, in Wales, Penarth, and it was very close to Cardiff. And we were never allowed to go into Cardiff by ourselves, but moving to the Isle of Man, and uh, my mother instantly sort of like assumed that the Isle of Man was still like the, the, the Isle of Man of her youth, etc. And so we found ourselves being able to go out anywhere we wanted, which was a complete, complete break. I mean, I do remember going along to school on the first day and... Um, and just sort of like seeing what all the girls were wearing because they made me wear my old school uniform which was a grey gym slip and cardigan and tie at the age of 16 I still had plaits and wire glasses and all the rest of it and um, there was everybody else in these platform shoes and big they were allowed to wear makeup and everything and I was (gasps) and my dad was looking horrified (laughs) <laughs> and I, I said, yeah, I'll go here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have very long before you had to make a decision about what you were going to do in terms of further education. And you went to university and you studied English arts and drama. You say they're the three loves of your life. Yep. What was the career plan? I wanted to be a journalist. That was my plan. I really did want to be a journalist. I always wanted to be a journalist. And so like doing that, that particular course, because I really wanted to go into... Um, arts writing rather a feature writing and that sort of thing and um, but the only job I got when I, when I first graduated the job I got was on a magazine called Water Skier and Powercraft wow which was wonderful <laughs> I actually learned to drive a motorboat and how to how to water ski and do all, all sorts of stuff that is exciting uh, it was exa- a complete antithesis of what I was you know supposed to be doing you know uh, but they, they, they trained me up to like I, I knew how to write about virtually anything so um at the same time, I was, I was also like subbing for various other newspapers at the same time. So I was, I was going around, I was working for Time Out at one point as well. So like being the theatre and music critic, which is of use to me as well. When I went, when we moved up to the Midlands and I uh, became the features editor of the What's On magazine group. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that was the original plan um, and the everything else it all happened. But I was always a youth worker always a youth worker but at the time there was no such thing as full-time youth workers uh, I became a youth worker when I was 18 because it was part of the Duke of Edinburgh's uh, thing you had to do community service and I was already going to Douglas Youth Club the very place I manage now um, and if you got past the age of 16 then you automatically become a trainee youth worker or an assistant etc and um, that's how it all that's how it all came about we're obviously focusing a lot on music mm. in these programmes. Um, I, I mentioned at the beginning that you did find it quite difficult to whittle down your choices. How important has music been to you? It always has been. I mean, I, I honestly thought that if, if, if ever I was asked to do something like this, you know, you, 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 when you sort of say, well, now, Terry, I will do this, that and the other, etc. But it was incredibly hard just to find five tracks that I actually had something to say about. It would be so easy to tell you about the track that I was playing when I met my husband. Uh, so easy to tell you about the music that affected me with, with, my, with my children, etc. But uh, they are personal stories. But these are more about things which turned call with turning points I've gone for more than anything else. Okay, tell us about your second turning point then. What's your second track? King Crimson. 
King Crimson's not a band anybody would probably associate with somebody like me, I suppose. But this one track, Court of Crimson, Crimson King, and all and their, and their albums just spoke to me because they were loud, they were theatrical, they told a story, they were mystical, they were magical. Um, they were... It's difficult to say. They, they just spoke to a part of, of, of what was going on in my life at the moment. And instead of sort of going that way, I went that way. I didn't go down the teeny bopper route. I didn't go down... Uh, I mean, I read Jackie Comic, etc., and I listened to Kathy and Claire, and I knew who Donny Osmond was. And But on my bedroom wall, I had King Crimson. I actually had Timothy Dalton when he was a Shakespearean actor on my bedroom wall. Uh, I was that kind of irritating kid. <laughs> so, But King Crimson, I thought, was... Because uh, that, was, that was the track that made me not go down the teeny bopper route. You know, I, I quite liked the Slade and all the rest of it, but this is the sort of music I bought. King Crimson, The Moody Blues, Procol Harmer, those are, those are the albums I own personally. of the Crimson King, King Crimson, the second music choice of Fiona Haller, our Conister Rock guest this afternoon. Um, I'm intrigued. You said you would have been able to pick out a track which um, meant that me- first meeting with your husband, which was, what, 36 years oh, ago? That's what, oh, yeah, 30, 36 years ago. Isn't that terrifying? What would it have been? Uh, it was madness. It must be love. Oh. It was, yeah, it was good. He was a, he was a skinhead and into ska music. He was actually in the RAF, and it was the only sort of, like... Um, young movement at the time that fitted in with his haircut really so <laughs> and when did you know that he was the one oh we met and married in 10 months there was never any doubt about it we, we seriously did you know we, we met in the june and we married the following april there was never any uh, anybody else really it was just just that idiot you know <laughs> um and you did mention that you sort of moved around a little bit what brought you back to the isle of man um in truth, I mean, Pat was, as I said, he was in the RAF and we had these two wonderful little boys and um, then the horrible, horrible Jamie Bulger murders happened and we were living in um, Shropshire at the time um, in a little town called Newport, which was lovely. It was a Regency town, absolutely gorgeous. And it got targeted by all these people from the big cities from because we were basically banked up in the middle of a triangle between Birmingham, Manchester and... Um, 
Liverpool, and they were, at the time it was ram raiding that was going on. They literally would charge into a town, ram into the house, etc., and steal all your stuff while you stood there and run out again. And uh, the these uh, the murders happened, and I suddenly found myself turning into one of those mothers who was following their children around. I just couldn't bear to be apart from them, and they were eight and nine at the time and uh, we lived in the in this country town there's loads of fields around where my boy should have been able to run out and build dens and climb trees and do all stupid boy stuff without mother suddenly appearing behind a bush so we um pat came out of the raf and um, we just decided that now was the time to do it so um the house was still there we still got the massive great big house um out in union mills um, so we just moved moved back back over. The plan was to stay six months, see if we liked him. We've been here for 20 odd years now, so yeah. And what were the boys like about coming over here? Well, like I said, I mean, all our holidays, because I married a Cornishman, all our holidays were either in Cornwall or the Isle of Man, so they pretty much knew it anyway. In fact, for years, the boys have been coming over to the island by themselves. We would take them up to Liverpool Airport and put them on the plane, and they would actually be back home in, in, in Union Mills and Homecrest before we got back down to Shropshire. They're my parents' first grandchildren, so very, very precious, you know. They could, uh, they could do no wrong. The amount of arguments I had with my mother where she would defend them to the absolute hilt that they'd done something bad and I was the big bad mother. <laughs> I'm wondering though, Fiona Hello, were you the big bad mother? Because you said you became a youth leader at the age of 18. I mean, did that give you an insight about the best way of bringing up your boys? Not in the slightest. I made exactly the same mistakes as everybody else does when you're a new mum, you know, because, I mean... Um, Telling other children, uh, telling other people's children what to do is pretty darn easy because you can, you've got the uh, objectivity to it and you can stand back and, and sort of see, well, you know, they should be doing this. But when it's your own, then you think, damn, I should never have taught them to do that. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so it's been a help in some ways. I mean, I've, I've, I've always reacted better to crises in their lives than, than other people have done, I suppose. But I mean, there just haven't been that many. And I don't, and I don't put that down to any brilliant parenting on our part. Just that, like I said, my husband Patrick is the calmest and most patient man in the world, and they both took after him. Had they taken after me, they'd have been angry and volatile, and so therefore, um, they'd have been totally different house. <laughs> Tell us about your third piece of music, Fiona. Right, we have got hanging on. Uh, it's called L'Amour Looks Something Like You, and it's from Kate Bush. Now, Kate Bush, when she hit these charts back in nineteen in the seventies, she was this. this amazing woman who was completely original i mean she's she's she was the same age as me and she had this incredibly high-pitched soprano voice she had these amazing dance moves she had this uh, she also picked up one of my favorite group books which was um, wuthering heights and she told the story so beautifully it just carried me along with it so when she came to liverpool empire and she did one of the i think one of the very few uh, um, concert that she did I was just absolutely blown away because she was the first person she actually invented the, the mic the, the radio mic that's your, uh, that goes over the ear in front of the mouth so she could actually dance around and do stuff you know but it was a fantastic concert she just did everything from the kick inside and a few other ones as well so yeah play on love to hear this again you came out of the night wearing a mosque
Goose Moon, Kate Bush. Uh, Viona has been channeling her inner Kate Bush there. You're enjoying <laughs> singing along to that. I did indeed. I thought it was brilliant. I love originality. Um, I love anybody at all who can stand in front of me and show me something I've never seen before. I'm fascinated by people who can do that. I'm not interested in the uh, the straight and narrow path. I, I, I encourage everybody who comes in, t- in touch with me at the act to try your own thing. I don't mind if it goes by horribly wrong. I'd rather you tried and failed than didn't try it at all. Because nine times out of ten, you will succeed. Because every time something goes wrong, it just gives you, inspires you to try it a different way next time. And I think somebody like Kate Bush, who was horribly young when she made that spectacular album, was such an inspiration to young people at the time. I know she certainly inspired me. That originality mm. um, must have come from your family. I mean, a group of incredibly artistic, creative, talented people, Fiona. Um, oh, I am. I am the dull one. Trust oh. me. I seriously am the dull one. Um, I've got. Uh, there's some quite, quite startling people, really. I mean, my family's divided into two. The wider family's divided into two lot. Those who run mathematics university departments are those of us who take have to take our shoes off. And that's really as simple as that. Well, one of your brothers, Simon, very well known here in the island, yes. tragically died last year. I just wondered how you all coped with that as a family. Appallingly badly. Appallingly badly. I honestly don't know how other people cope when um, somebody dies in a road traffic accident or of illness or anything like that. I mean, with our parents, it was horribly sad and um, because... It was, but they were in their seventies and eighties. You know, I mean, they were they, they were considerably old, and it wasn't unexpected to a certain extent. I suppose it was horribly, horribly sad. But Simon was a phone call at two o'clock in the morning. Simon was the police at the door. Simon was was was, was police vans running all over the place, waking people up. Uh, Simon was surgeon standing in front of us. Simon was just awful. It really was. You're listening to him today on Max Radio, 23 minutes to three. The Nation Station, Max Radio. Women Today. This is Women Today on Max Radio. Today, talking Conister Rock tracks with our guest Fiona Haller, Head of Youth Arts at the Youth Arts Centre in Kensington Road in Douglas. And Fiona, you were talking um, earlier about your love of books. You've got three Kindles. I have three Kindles. I also have over a thousand books. I am a bibliophile of the worst possible kind. I have three Kindles because I have one in my bag at all times. I have one by my bed at all times. I also have a paper white one so I can read it outside. Because much as I love Kindles, they're not very good for reading outside. They're fine for reading inside. They're beautiful, wonderful, marvellous. But outside, there's nothing more irritating than trying to angle the darn thing so you don't get the sun shining on it. 
So they were selling them off uh, last Christmas, I think, for 50 quid each. So I got myself an extra paper one as well. So if you had to choose then, <laughs> if you had to choose book or Kindle, what would it be? I couldn't. Truthfully, I find Kindle useful for travelling and for just hanging around the place. Uh, uh, but I read books in the bath because you can't read a Kindle in the bath. You know, that, 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 that's, that's dangerous. Um, I've, I've still got loads of books, don't get me wrong, although I, I periodically I'm having a massive clear out. I'm, I'm raising money for the Youth Arts Centre at the car boot sale at Tesco's and I have cleared off. I've got three massive crates of books which I'm taking down there again. Will we recognise these books by the genre as a particular uh, genre you're into? I will tell you the story. I have read every single one of them but I mean uh, I do like history books I'm, uh, I must admit I'm very fond of history books. I particularly like the Tudors and the Arthurian periods. They appear to my uh, what appears to be a very romantic nature I'm discovering this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't avoid talking about the Youth Arts um, Centre. Just an incredible place. Over 700 members. Yes, and that, that, that shocked me, actually, I must admit. When you hear people saying there's nothing for young people to do in the Isle of Man, Fiona, what's your reaction to that? When you're a teenager, there never is, because, I mean, uh, no matter... You, you think of the island and how fantastic sports facilities we've got here, the wonderful theatre facilities we've got here, the wonderful everything we've got here, you'll still get some snotty 14-year-old standing in front of you and announcing, I'm bored. But then again, I took my sons to Thorpe Park or one of these places one time, and the seven-year-old Joe told me that he was, you know, was, was bored. I mean, he was lucky he didn't get chucked to the lucky duckies, I think, that day. I mean, you know. It makes me feel better as a mother talking to you, Fiona, because, you know, this is just a rite of passage. It doesn't matter yeah, if their mother is the Fiona Hiller. There's, there's a choice of two films at the, at the pictures, and he, he chose one of them, watched it, thoroughly enjoyed it, stood up at the end, burst into tears, and announced that he wanted to see the other one, you know. And I just thought, there's no pleasing some children here, but, you know. But he's grown out of that now, I'm glad to say. And he's a sensible, upright, very nice young man. So for people who may not be familiar, Familiar with the Youth Arts Centre, or YAC as it's commonly referred to. How do you encapsulate what happens there? It's all about getting young people to have a go at everything. I mean, primarily it's about performing arts. Uh, we have a theatre, we have a dance studio, we have a youth club area, we have an art room. Um, it's the home to sound check the music project. And we're just incredibly proud of it because, I mean, uh, young people come in and they join us forever. Uh, it seems they sort of like start at the age eight, and they still and I have to give them jobs at the age of twenty-five because they won't go away. Um, or they come along for specific projects. Like at the moment, we've got High School Musical going on. That's on next week, which we're looking forward to. So if you want to be all in this together, you know the place to come. Um, we've got the Wearable Art Show on tonight, which I'm really looking forward to. That's the most fantastic project where people are challenged to make clothes out of unwearable objects. I mean, last year they made them out of tin cans and CDs. So I'll be interested to see what happens tonight. Uh, we we have just so much going on. Uh, we've got a fantastic backstage crew, and I must admit, I'm I am leaning at the moment towards getting young people to do more backstage stuff because they're um, in any film or television or theatre theatrical program. There's more jobs going on backstage than there are on stage, and there's so many places where they can do the on-stage stuff, I'm seriously considering um, making more of our backstage facilities because we've got a fantastic. Um, sound and lighting guy in Paul Ellison who is an absolute miracle worker and we appreciate him every single every single day of the week because when he comes in he makes the magic happen he can turn an ordinary show into something quite spectacular purely because he understands how these things work he gets very frustrated with me because I am 
a I have one of those minds which shoots all over the place I really can't think of a thousand things at once but he's very methodical he wants to know ABC and I'm sort of going one two nine seven twelve fifteen twenty three you know and I drive him mad but he really is great but that's something we are considering doing well, tell us about your fourth piece of music that you've chosen, Fiona. Ah, oh, Super Tramp. Oh, now this is a band that I really, really loved when I was at uni, actually. I absolutely loved this band. They were never, they were, they, there was four or five bands. Remember, this is also the time of Saturday Night Fever, okay, when everybody was discoing and greasing away like crazy. And it was also the time of Roxy Music and Manifesto and all these great bands that were going on at the time. But Super Tramp was the band that uh, changed my mind about a lot of things. And I must admit, on one of the one of the other songs they chose, um, the Breakfast in America band, I was actually able to use an awful lot of their work as spelling tests and in English lessons. But this particular track, Hide in Your Shell, I liked it because it actually did take music away from the ordinary and uh, it was from uh, amongst all the sort of like teeny bopper sounds that are going on at the time amongst all the heavy metal and the progressive rock and all the rest of it this particular track um mixed instruments in such a way and layered sounds that were that was quite, quite spectacular have a good listen give it a listen in your shell super tramp hiding in your shell not something i imagine you do a lot of fiona i mean you're all surrounded by people aren't you do you ever crave solitude uh, occasionally because i mean I, I have such a um riotous life so to speak i mean we, we work long days i mean all my staff at the yak all the yak staff work incredibly hard they're incredibly dedicated but every now and then you, you do need to get away and uh, i remember feeling Bitterly upset when the KFC in town closed down, which sounds ridiculous, I know. But there used to be this one little table in the corner where if you sat with your back, I was going to say audience then, but back to the rest of the customers, etc., and you could be completely by yourself and nobody could join you. Nobody could come along and sort of like ask me ask me for anything. That was the big thing, really. I could be sort of minding my own business and somebody would always come up and ask me for something or if I could do something or be somewhere. And I don't, I normally I don't mind, but every now and then, just that little 20 minutes of all for me, eating my little chicken dippers and fries or what having a cup of coffee nobody the people are going to see the back of my head so they leave me alone you'd be quite happy on the conister rock then i'd be very happy on the conister rock i must admit sometimes but most of the times no i'm, I'm far too gregarious but that's a that, that was an occasional little little guilty treat that was i must admit
Women today. It is nine minutes to three, and looking after Alex in the afternoon, this afternoon is our very own Christy Dehaven. You've deserted. I've deserted women's day. Do you know what? I'm I'm slightly gutted because I've really enjoyed today's show, but it's been nice to listen to it rather than actually have to partake in it. So uh, as Chris Cave said, yeah, instead I am uh, Alice in the afternoon. Oh, I that's what, what Chris did. suggested. That's what you did. I'm not convinced. Doesn't work. Um, okay. I want to know, okay, what is the absolutely best April Fool's prank that I can play on my family tomorrow? See, what to play on your family, I don't know. I can tell you one that I fell for okay. a good few years back. Uh, Castletown Commissioners said that you had to have a licence to ride a bicycle and I fell for it so much so I went down to the post office. I was only about nine or ten. I went down to the post office <laughs> She said she was only nine or ten. <laughs> 19 or 20, yeah. <laughs> People out there, please say you fell for it too and make me feel better. Um, yeah. Fiona, I understand your husband got you, not oh, necessarily he, with he April Fool's. But... You know, uh, I, I was thinking of an April Fool's room. My, my, my brother once switched all the cereal innards on the cereal packet so you're expecting cocoa pops and porridge came out and that type of stuff I mean <laughs> that's quite that's clever. quite good and that, that, that frightened him okay turn all the furniture upside down we did that to my parents one year turn it all upside down yeah. Cover- <laughs> yeah we did big chairs and everything turned them all upside down my dad all I go I'll put it back now <laughs> maybe I'll just cover everything with toilet roll that's another favourite isn't yeah. it I don't know yeah. well I'll think of something on the programme then Christy D yeah so uh, we're going to be obviously we've got Gogglebox Guru we're going to be talking about a TV show that uh, features a rather eccentric main character who was a bit obsessed with her getting the pronunciation of her name right uh, so we'll be talking about that show also uh, and you could win of course the much sought after Manx Radio goodie bag oh yes I still don't know what's in that I'm really nobody knows. nobody knows nobody knows <laughs> uh, also we've got loads of stuff to give away actually of course mostly centred around pizza uh, we're going to be doing the draw for the celebration list and the challenge continues Alex set one yesterday asking how many signs of the zodiac are and I'll be setting a new one which is all about a very famous car from a TV show so that's coming up a little bit later and of course it is the all request drive home and you can win yourself a meal deal a Domino's meal deal so it's all about pizza essentially love it yeah. if it had been about chicken then Viona would have been yeah, really been right in there absolutely <laughs> um, we have been joined by Viona Hiller this afternoon the head of youth arts at the youth arts Centre in Kensington Road and if anyone's listening wants to get their young people involved in Yak Fiona I mean presumably even though you are you know 700 members full scarily so yeah. always room for some more is there? Uh, always is because we're very project based as well as the regular classes we, we, we do all sorts of things it's like uh, we've been working on the National Theatre Connections programme at the moment so we got a we auditioned loads of young people and we've actually got a cast of 12 now they're actually taking down to Cardiff uh, next month to take part in the in the National Theatre Connections programme at the Sherman Theatre, which coincidentally was the first theatre I went to with my teacher Straubs to see that first Shakespeare play. So I'm quite quite looking forward to that actually because I've not been down to Cardiff for a few years. Wonderful, brought it all mm. back. Thank brought you, it all back, yeah. Fiona. It has been an absolute delight talking to you on the programme this afternoon. Yeah, on Monday, we're going to be finding out about the support that the Isle of Man Anti Cancer Association gives to organisations both on and off the island in terms of the finance, but. Um, to finish today's programme, Viona, you have chosen a final piece of music. I love the story behind this one. Um, it's a classical piece, and it was when I was getting into classical music for the first time, because I, I, I grew up in a house full of folk music and akabilk and jazz and all the rest of it. But every now and then we we, we get some classical out. And I was uh, just heard a, sn- a snippet of this on the radio, and its power and passion just absolutely gripped me. Uh, but they put, when they came to announce at the end what it was, it was said in such a strangulated Italian accent, I didn't catch it. 
Um, and so I spent, I must have spent about 18 months going around to record shops and going, do, 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 ha, 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 at people. Uh, and, and then looking at them expectantly, usually in front of a blank-faced teenager, HMV or somewhere. I or... wish we'd done this at the beginning of the programme. Maybe people could have texted in and guessed what it, guess was. what it was. Could you just do that again? Oh, no, I don't think I could. Uh, it was... Uh, it sounds delightful. Because that was the only bit I could remember. It's nothing like that at all. But I was eventually very, very lucky that somebody listened to my halting and very, very bad description of what I thought it was, which was a clown laughing sadly, um, that he came up and he told me what it was. And, of course, it was a Vestila Juba. And it's the most wonderful piece of music going for me, the Pagliacci. But I had no idea what it was. I made such a nine of myself in so many different places. It was untrue. But well, perseverance, you see. I'm glad you found out what it was. Fiona Hler, <laughs> thank you so, so much for being our guest this afternoon. You'll be able to listen to this programme again on the Women's Day podcast. Just go to manxradio.com. And if you've missed any other part of the programme, you can listen again for the next seven days again at manxradio.com. We will be back on Monday, but to play us out, can you do it again? No? No. I'm not good. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Recitar mentre preso dal delirio, non so più quello che dico e quel che faccio. Eppure dopo sforzati, ma sei tu forse un uomo. <laughs> Today.